0: open in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Even as one of the songs shared with us, we stand in grace. Father, what an unbelievable gift. We thank you that this morning we stand in grace before your presence and receive all of your goodness and your love. Father, we pray that this study, I pray that you would, you would help me in my inadequacy, help me to be clear, help me, help me to communicate the words of this text. Father, by your spirit, may you implant these truths in us and encourage us and strengthen us. Pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning I'm diverging a little bit. It, it, previously, for quite a while, I've, when I've had the opportunity to be here, I've jumped into the book of Acts and hope to get back to that. But I, I wanted to look this morning at Romans chapter 1 through 5. And um, just to, to give you a little intro to that when I was uh, many of you might have lived your whole lives here in, here in California didn't move a whole lot my dad was in sales and when your dad is in sales you tend to move a lot and I went from Oregon to northern California to Illinois to California to Illinois to Michigan and anyway I'm back but when I was young, and I remember, we were getting ready for the big move. My dad had gotten a big promotion with a company. He was going to be moving to Southern California, and we lived in Upper Illinois, kind of a, a, a suburb of Chicago. And, you know, Midwest life, California life. And I remember back then, I, I think even here, Back in those days um, for kids, what was big before school? Do you remember sidewalk sales? And that's where all, you know, they would, everything in the store was put out on the sidewalk and, and put on tables and, and you'd go up and down. For a kid, it was like a carnival. And you never, you know, there, other than Christmas, there was never a day your, your mom was willing to, you know, pull out the wallet and really spend money on you. And uh, so she was trying to prepare us not just for school, but actually moving to California. And I, I remember very vividly, primarily because of the events that followed, that we stopped at the main shoe store in town. And the salesman was putting these shoes on me, and I'm like, these are weird, Mom. And they were like clogs, and they had these big, thick, you know, if you remember, this is, this is uh, early 70s, the, the big, thick soles, almost, you know, like, I don't know how, you know, flower power kind of wild stuff, and and um, so he's putting these shoes on, and I'm like, I'm not comfortable with this at all, and, that's, and I remember the salesman saying, no, 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 this is what they wear in California. <laughs> so, with the, with the confidence of an Illinois salesman behind me, I took the shoes and Not far from then, we headed off for California. Well, I'll tell you, we moved to Southern California, and initially we stayed in Dana Point Harbor, if you know where that is. It's a boating harbor, but it's also a famous surf spot, and I didn't see anybody in clogs. (laughs) Nobody. I saw saw bathing suits. I saw flip-flops. I saw... You know, bleached, sun-bleached hair. I did not fit. I did, I did not know what to expect and how to enjoy California life. And it was dramatic. you know, and as dramatic that sounds, the change from going from a life apart from God to a life in Christ is infinitely greater, isn't it? Our text this morning, the title I gave it is Standing in Grace, Sanctified in Hope. Why don't you stand, we'll read this text, and we'll jump into our study. And of course, the book of Romans, way above my pay grade, is Paul's magnum opus to the gospel. This is the fullest, richest presentation of the gospel. We're going to take five little verses. So we're going, to, we're going to be simple about it. But you know the great thing about the gospel, as rich and full and broad as it is, it's simple enough for a child to understand Let's read Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You may be seated. So I want to look at this text through four key points. The first We are justified by faith. Second, we find hope in our justification. Third, we find hope in our sanctification. And finally, we find our hope in the glory of God. So Paul starts by saying we're justified by faith. And if we look just prior to this, Paul develops in chapter 4, this picture. Justification is, is one of those words that on the one hand can be a little bit intimidating. It means to, to render or declare one just or righteous. And we see it simply stated in Romans chapter 4 verses 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God declared Abraham righteous. He was justified. But how can that be? How can it be? And Paul here cl- uh, makes clear in chapter 3, leading up to this, what the problem is. And we call this, you might have heard, the Romans road. Paul's going to walk us through what our condition is. He says in chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Or Romans 3.20, for by works of the law, no human will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So how can we be counted righteous? How can we be declared justified? Again, Paul helps us understand chapter 3, verse 24. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation, as a payment, by his blood to be received by faith. It is a gift. We receive it by faith. And we are redeemed from our sin by the payment that was made by the blood of Christ shed on the cross. Nothing we could do could pay that debt. Jesus paid that debt, all of it, past, present, and future. And that's why in 326, he goes on to say, this was to show God's righteousness. God did it this way to show his righteousness so that he might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so, what does that mean? How did, how did God show himself righteous or just? Because he rightly condemned sin and punished it through the death of Jesus. How did God show himself a justifier? By justifying the ungodly who has faith in Jesus. Paul said it this way to the 2nd Corinthians. In his his letter to the Corinthians, second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The glorious message that Paul gives us here in these first two verses of Romans 5 is the result of that justification. And therefore we find hope in justification. Let me read those first two verses again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I wonder how many of us have memorized those verses Maybe have it on a little card taped up on your window, a three by five card in your purse or wallet that you pull out. And just remind yourself of that every now and then. These are these verses are a treasure to the Christian. And they are the possession of all who are justified, who have put their faith in Christ. And in it, Paul makes three simple but glorious declarations. First, we have peace with God. Second, we have access to God's grace. And third, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's break down each one of those. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is peace with God? might be helpful to consider when we had no peace with God, right? Paul describes it this way in Ephesians 2. At that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants and promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So, We were separated from Christ, alienated from God's promises. We had no hope, and we were literally without God in the world. Ephesians 4.18, Paul says, We were darkened in our understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us, due to our hardness of heart. Or he said it this way to the Colossians chapter 1, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So the fact of the matter is, as hard as it is to accept, we were enemies of God because we were friends of the world. And it's what James meant in chapter 4 when he said, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Enemies of God are those who embrace the lusts and passions of this fallen world. And that is why Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And this is, I really want you to see this. This is the the clear and dramatic distinction between peace with God and no peace with God. Without peace with God, we are absolutely separated from Christ. With peace with God, We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Without Christ, we are separated from God. In Christ, Paul says, Ephesians 2.13, he himself, that's Christ, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's why Paul can say, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The hostility is gone. The enmity is gone. And that's what peace with God brings us. No more hostility eternally joined to Christ in love. Well, being justified by faith not only gives us peace with God, that gives us access by faith into the grace of God. He says it here, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We've gained access, gained access. You know, have you ever come up to a building and, and it's one of those key card buildings and pull on the door and, just rattles and can't get in. Some guy, excuse me, swipes, opens the door, walks in. Hey, how do you get one of those? In Christ, we have gained access. And it says we stand in grace. Stand in grace. That's a very curious way of putting it. We read oftentimes that we experience grace, but he says we we stand in grace. And what he means is, first, our sin does not remove us from that access. The fact of the matter is, we, as believers, we continue to sin, don't we? But we stand in grace. Through our failures, Through our failures, we do not lose that access. We stand fixed, unmoved, anchored in the grace of God. And we might ask, well, why is that? It is because it is based on faith. It is not based on our works. You know the verses, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. What is grace? It's the unmerited favor of God we didn't earn it it is the mercy of God where we receive forgiveness not judgment mercy not wrath praise the Lord 1st Corinthians 15 one through 2 now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preach to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved Through Christ, we have access into the grace in which we stand. And there we will remain. So we not only have peace with God and have access to this grace in which we stand. Paul goes on to say in verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And simply put, those who have been justified by faith, who have peace with God, who stand in the grace of God, for the first time can now hope in the glory of God. What does it mean to be in Christ and hope in the glory of God? A little bit later in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 6, he says this, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Remember what Paul said about himself when he really considered his pre-Christ salvation state? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that is the cry of every man and woman without hope. But Paul responds to his own question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. To hope in the glory of God is to hope in the new life that God gives us. It's to be given a new nature and to be ever forever freed from sin's rule over our life, and ultimately, resurrection life. Behold, Paul says to the Corinthians, I tell you a mystery, we should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. All this is for those who have been justified by faith. Peace with God. Access to grace. Live in hope of the glory of God. But not only that, Paul says something amazing. He says, we rejoice in suffering. And I would call this, we hope in, have hope in our sanctification. Chapter five, verses three through five, again says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul says we rejoice in suffering. How? Why? Why would we rejoice in suffering? And the straightforward answer, of course, is in the text, Because suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. But what he's saying, in other words, our suffering has a divine purpose. So first, suffering produces endurance. And when he says endurance, it it implies a hopeful endurance. But it does indicate that endurance is something that we experience while there is a pressing or there is a, a pressure upon us. It means to be steadfastness, have steadfastness, constancy. It's the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith by even the greatest trials or suffering. So as we walk with the Lord through suffering, we learn to endure, don't we? If you have walked walked with the Lord for any length of time, you can look back and you can see that you are stronger. What once would have destroyed you, you now endure. You may even show a strength in suffering that the world looks on and Marvels at. They can't understand it. You grow in endurance because you have learned the Lord has a purpose in what he does. God is doing a sanctifying work in your life. Remember in verse 1, Paul tells us we've been justified by faith. All our sins freely forgiven through faith in Christ We have to ask the question, does that mean that God is no longer concerned with sin in our lives? Certainly not. God's righteousness and holiness have not changed a bit. But our relationship to God has changed. Hebrews 12, verse 5 discipline. See, we no longer relate to God as righteous judge, but a loving father correcting his children. We not only rejoice in suffering because it produces endurance, but secondly, endurance produces character, Paul tells us. What does character mean? Character means trustworthiness or faithfulness. And to be clear, it's also more than the, the quality of character. It's that, that it is proven character. And the analogy that you probably have often heard is the metalsmith who uses intense heat to, to purify the the precious elements of silver and gold. James said, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. See, James assures the believer here, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. God's love is at the heart of our suffering. Because God desires our sanctification. He's developing holiness and godliness within us. Paul again to the Thessalonian church, chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. In Paul's closing to the Thessalonians, he leaves them with this beautiful benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. And listen to these words. He will surely do it. And that, brothers and sisters, is why Paul can say in his last point, character produces hope. hope that we can be changed hope that we will one day be free from sin yes our sins have been forgiven our debt has been paid but who among us cannot look back on a life dominated by sin and not weep and because of what Jesus has done we yearn for holiness we yearn for godliness don't we And this is the beauty of God's sanctifying work. It gives us hope. God will accomplish it. We have hope in the love of God. We have hope in the power of God. Finally, in verse 5, he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. we find hope in the glory of god paul to the corinthians again verse 3 chapter 3 verse 18 and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit that's the work Sanctifying work God is continually doing in our lives. So, brothers and sisters, we have been justified by faith. We stand on that. Amen. We have peace with God. We stand in grace, not judgment and condemnation. And our awesome and holy God is now our loving Father and treats us as children leading us, training us, disciplining us. And this is my challenge to us. Let us commit today and onward to trust him in our suffering. He's trustworthy. And place our hope entirely in him. Let me leave you with this verse from Romans 15:13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for justification. Father, you made a way by giving your son, by putting him on a cross that he would shed his life, his blood, give his life in payment for the debt that we incurred through our sin and rebellion and enmity against you and all that you changed you have welcomed us in we have peace with you Father we stand fixed in grace and Father as we live our lives as we walk by faith with you Father, we understand that you are going to teach us and train us and lead us. And you will discipline us. Father, help us to know, to cling to the hope that you are producing in us a glory beyond anything that we can imagine. Father, we long for the day of your son's return. We pray that we would be ready, hearts full of love for your son and his coming. And that we would not be ashamed on that day. So Father, we give you full reign to do your sanctifying work in our lives. Father, we want to experience the glory of God. And we will give you all the thanks for it. In Christ's name.